0: You're listening to the Sabrina Phillip podcast. I'm guessing that most people listening to this episode would never spend $25,000 on a handbag, but I have multiple times and I promise you there are so many valuable business lessons we can learn from buying luxury handbags. If you've been wanting to go deeper into high-level sales psychology, this episode is for you. Keep listening. You're listening to The Sabrina Philip Podcast. In this show, online business coach and self-made millionaire Sabrina Philip shows you how to do entrepreneurship your way. She moved to Bali with just $800 in her bank account, and one year later had scaled her business to seven figures. Sabrina has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Goalcast, and Cosmopolitan, and is a contributing writer for Entrepreneur. Using her signature intentional, manageable, profitable framework, Sabrina helps women make millions online. Currently living in Scotland with her two doodles, Bonnie and Clyde, tune in each week as she reveals the best tips, tricks, and strategies for creating the intentional life and business of your dreams. Here's your host, Sabrina Phillip. Welcome back to the podcast. And in today's episode, we are talking about the Birkenbag bag effect. What buying $25,000 handbags taught me about business. Now, if you are not a handbag person, let me introduce you to the super mysterious, elite, kind of obnoxious world of luxury handbags. Now, obviously most people know about Chanel and Louis Vuitton, but really at the top of the food chain is Hermes. Now, Hermes is one of the very few left-standing family-owned businesses, and it started off with a lot of equestrian gear. So they would make saddles and leather goods for equestrians and things like that, carriages, and it kind of expanded over the years to handbags. Now there are two handbags, especially, that Hermes is really known for, the Kelly bag and the Birkin bag. The Kelly bag is so named after Grace Kelly, which that was not the original name of the bag, but um, Grace Kelly had, I believe it was a Kelly 32, and I think it was in black box leather Retournay bag. It might've even been a Kelly 35, And when she would get out of cars, she would hold it really close to her chest. And that was actually her way of hiding her pregnancy. And so she was always holding that bag close to her chest, covering her stomach. And that image was just photographed all over the world so many times that it started to be called the Kelly bag. And then the Birkin bag is so named after Jane Birkin, who was a, or not was, still is very much alive. But Jane Birkin Um, is a French model and actress and she was very famously known in the 70s and 80s for having a wicker basket that she used as her bag that she would take everywhere and the story of how the Birkin bag came to be is that she was on an airplane trying to stick her wicker basket into the overhead locker and it just kind of all spilled out everywhere and she was sitting next to a man saying that you know she wished she had a different handbag that could hold all of her things and he happened to be I believe, the owner of Hermes, or he might have been the designer, but someone affiliated with Hermes. And so the story goes that on the back of an airplane napkin in 1983, the Birkin bag was designed with the help of Jane Birkin. And there is a famous line in Sex and the City where Samantha is trying so hard to get a bag, a Birkin bag, and you know, he's kind of saying, like, there's a wait list. And she's like, for how long? And she's, he's saying, like, oh, it's $4,000. And she's like, for a bag. And he's like, for a Birkin. So it is a thing. So, why are we talking about this? I think that there is so much to be learned about business here. So, Birkin bags start in store at $10,000 ish these days. There's different sizes you can get. You can get a 25, 30, 35. I don't know if there's a 40 centimeter, but basically that size is for the centimeter width across. And for a basic leather, which would be something like a Togo or an Epsom leather, it's going to start about $10,000, but you could be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on these bags for the more intricate ones, especially the ones that are being resold. There are Burke and Himalaya bags, which are like a white ombre grayish crocodile bag with like diamond hardware. Those bags are going for half a million in some cases. So what can we learn about business from this bag, from these bags? I think so much actually, right? Because one of the things that makes Hermes bags so appealing is the exclusivity of them. They're extremely hard to get. You can't just walk into a store and buy a Birkin bag or a Kelly bag. What Hermes is looking for is that you are building a relationship with them. So they want you to purchase products in other categories, in homeware, in ready to wear, in shoes, in small other goods. Now they have never publicly disclosed this. But anyone who plays the game knows that if you build an account and build a relationship with a sales associate, you are much more likely to be offered a handbag. So Hermes is really focused on choosing their customers, which is the first lesson that we can take from this. They are focused on customers who continue to invest in the brand, and then they reward them with their best possible products. They reward them with their most exclusive offer. And one way we can see this in our own online businesses is if you are noticing that you have customers who continue to invest in your masterclasses, in your mini courses, in your programs, those are going to be the clients that you are going to think of that you will then invite into your highest level masterminds. That if you're doing an in-person event, that you're really going to go ahead and invite them into that. There is power in choosing your customers and it really creates this beautiful sense of connection, relationship, and just delight for customers when they feel so connected to a brand that it's not just about what I buy, but the relationships I have made friendships and relationships with Hermes sales associates. Um, You know, some in Paris, some in the United States that I am connected with on social media that they comment on my content. I comment on their content and there is an actual relationship there that feels really great, that I am actually bought into the brand and the story and I care about the company and I have so many Hermes products in my house, that having those bags is kind of the cherry on top. But I feel this really big connection. The other lesson that we can take from the Birkin bag effect is to really focus on the long-term value of a customer. So Hermes knows that a lot of people one a Birkin bag or one a Kelly bag because it's a status symbol. So they're going to be one and done customers and then they're never going to buy anything else. So rather than just letting anyone purchase a bag, they are, as I said, you know, kind of looking for who is building a sales profile, who's building a relationship. So they're looking for that long term value of the customer and they are rewarding continued investment in the business with additional offers so it's creating the sense of FOMO it's creating the sense of exclusivity which some people are going to hate this some people are going to listen to this and be like oh my god that is so fucked up don't buy a Birkin bag then right but for the people who get it who like the brand who have the ability Jay-Z said if you can't buy it twice you can't afford it for the people who but who can buy it twice this is fun like this is enjoyable like you don't need to take it so personally like oh my god they rejected me like No, it's just business baby. But there is that really big focus on long-term value and long-term relationship building. And I think that's something as business owners that we can really think about. It's not just how do I make this next sale? How do I get somebody to buy this $100 course? But how do I build a relationship so that the $100 course can turn into a $10,000 mastermind sale? And how can I continue to invest in the relationship so that there is a long-term value for my customer and for my business. Because we know that it is much easier to get another purchase from an existing customer than it is to go get a new customer. It's much more expensive to go get a new customer. But if you can build and encourage that process of repeat purchases, that is really where your business is gonna scale. Because not only are you bringing in new people, but you're also getting continued investment from people who are already bought into your brand. The third lesson that I think we can take from the Birkenbag effect is to really make your offer exclusive. Now, this is not going to be for everyone, but I think that if you are working in high ticket, which obviously are Mezze's if they're selling, you know, $10,000 purses, exclusivity can really breed brand loyalty because that is just human nature is that we want a sense of belonging, we want to feel part of the in crowd, we want to be a part of the cool girls club, and I think, you know, so much of life and growth and developing is realizing that you don't need that and also most of us are not that evolved so there is definitely some business magic in making your offer exclusive and kind of having some hurdles to get into that offer whether it's you know having an application or having a vetting process or you know maybe having a requirement that they've worked with you previously but that sense of exclusivity can really breed brand loyalty but it can also breed a sense of belonging where you know that everyone who is in that room, who is in that program has a shared sense of values. When I connect with someone who has an Hermes bag or a Chanel bag or likes Bottega bags or whatever, it's so fun because I know that I have things that I can talk to them about. I know that I can talk to them about leathers. I know that I can talk to them about colors. Like That for me is just so fun. And I instantly know that we probably are going to have a lot of things in common. We probably like luxury. We probably like craftsmanship. We probably like storytelling. We probably like relationship building. So these are things that I feel through the exclusivity of the brand. I can identify people that I relate with. Now, we have exclusivity in all sorts of different ways, right? Olympians, that is an exclusive elite club, right? They really value and appreciate being at the Olympics because they know how hard it was to get there. So I don't want you to think of this only as a way of being snobby. I more so want you to think of this as a way of making it a bit challenging to get into your highest level, most premium offer can be a really great way to make people feel super committed to the investment that they've made. Whereas sometimes if you just buy whatever thing, I've had this happen so many times, people will buy a really low-cost course and they just never watch it. Why? Because it really wasn't that much of an investment for them. But I have six Hermes bags now. I have two Birkins and four Kellys, and I really love and appreciate them because I know how much they cost. I know how many things I had to buy to get them. I know the big you know, sales conversations I had to have in Paris to get them, and I just love them, and I value them, and I appreciate them, and they are just absolute treasures for me. The other thing that I think is super cool about that is that, With such a level of exclusivity, you don't need traditional marketing. So one thing to note about Hermes is that Hermes does not do any sort of traditional marketing campaigns. Now, obviously they will do, you know, photo shoots and they will do fashion walks, but Hermes is not running Facebook ads. Like Hermes is not taking out billboards. Hermes is very much about word of mouth and exclusivity. And if you know, you know, and the reason why that works is that they do not have an unlimited number of products, right? There's not 10 million Birkin bags in the world. Each handbag, whether it's the Birkin or the Kelly can take over 24 hours of manual labor. And it's only one artisan per bag making this. So, there's a limited supply, and that exclusivity obviously drives up the price, but I think it also drives up the interest. So, if you think about, for example, if you've ever put out an offer with limited spots, that limited spot creates a level of excitement and energy. And so, we definitely see that in Birkin bags, which brings me to my fourth point, which is to gamify the buying experience. Now, we've talked about this a little bit already, but what Hermes will do is if you are purchasing other products that will be in your sales profile and there are different sales associates for different departments. So someone who works in jewelry is not going to be able to sell you a purse. Someone who works in, you know, shoes and small other goods is not going to be able to sell you a purse. But when you do get a leather appointment, they will be able to see your sales profile. And what I have found to be true, because I've never been denied a bag, I've always been offered one, is that when they see that I am a long-term customer who purchases in multiple categories. It is easier for me to get a bag. And also I feel like I'm on a first date or an interview and like basically flirting with the sales associate to build a connection with them. And I'll tell them other things that I wanna purchase. And then I get offered a bag and I don't just get offered any bag. They will maybe show me one. I've one time in Paris, they showed me two bags and I have to pick one. So it's not just like place your order. There's a bit of a gamifying experience to it, which again, some people are gonna hate that, but I love that and I think it's super fun. One way that you could go ahead and do this is how can I introduce gamification into my offers or even into my courses? So for example, do you want to have quizzes? Do you want to have completion certificates? Do you want to have challenges? My Pilates studio, they did a really cool winter challenge where if you were able to do, I think it was like 30 classes in 30 days, you were entered to win a giveaway. So how can you add some sort of gamification because we know that when that happens, where people are rewarded, like think about all the people addicted to Candy Crush. Um, I really loved Clash of Clans back in the day. I was like a clan chief. I was crushing it on Clash of Clans. Um, All of that gamification, those rewards, those points, even I do Duolingo, seeing that I hit a 200 day streak, that gamification is such powerful information for my brain to keep going. So having that gamification process and incorporating that into your buying experience and even just into your program delivery is really great for increased participation. I think that's also very true for participation because we know that people who complete courses get the best results. People who show up to coaching calls get the best results. So gamifying that process, if that increases participation, you're only going to get more happy customers. Right? The point is not to make it so impossible for people to buy from you. It's just to make it fun and to give it some lightheartedness so that people keep going. Now, the fifth point that I think we can really learn here from Hermes is the power of cultivating your audience. So Hermes is very specific about who they want to work with. They have screening processes when someone comes in to buy a handbag to figure out, is this just a reseller who doesn't care about this? Who's going to resell this bag? Because the second that bag leaves the store, it is worth at least two to three times whatever you paid for it. So they're really focused on getting a few ideal clients and going deep rather than going wide. They are not for everyone and they are absolutely okay with that. Sometimes in business, we feel as though we have to reach as many people as possible. We have to be as mainstream as possible. We have to shift our message to capture different audiences. I've had people say this before where they're like, well, I should include another offer because I'm leaving money on the table. Hermes is leaving money on the table all the time. I have some belts from there. They're like a thousand dollars each. They're not going to go put out a $15 belt because why would they want to go sell? You know, I don't even know how math works, but let's say $815 belts when they could just go sell $2,000 belts, right? So it's really about thinking about who do you actually want to work with and building an audience of buyers. Now, this is something I've talked about previously with clients and on the podcast, but when you are selling, when you are marketing, you have to be very mindful about who you want to work with because you want to cultivate and attract and build the right client base. You don't just want to have the biggest audience ever of people who just like what you're doing and are listening for your free content, but people who actually want to buy from you. So Hermes is such a beautiful reminder to go deep, not wide. You can obviously do it both ways, right? A place like Walmart, fantastic. They have so many great products and price ranges for everyone. They go super, super wide and that really works for them. Hermes, so much of what they do is about brand and storytelling and craftsmanship and going deep and getting you sold on this idea that this purse that you're about to spend $12,000 for is such an honor because one person spent 25 hours making the bag and this bag has been around since 1983, so over 40 years now, and it is just a lifetime piece. It is something that you pass down. Patek Philippe, who makes, I'm pretty sure, the most expensive watches in the world, if not one of the most, but Patek Philippe is kind of the creme de la creme of watches, the way or is of bags. I can't remember exactly what the slogan is, but Patek's whole marketing campaign is basically that you do not own a Patek. You are the custodian of it. You are the person who takes care of it for a limited period of time, and then you pass it down to your family. You pass it down to your children, to your grandchildren, to your niece, your nephew, whoever it is. And so it's getting bought into that story of I'm not the owner. I am the custodian that people can then see the exclusivity and the value of having a heritage piece and having a family heirloom essentially, which I think that if you are going to be selling super high ticket, you know the way you would for a $12,000 bag, it kinda has to be that way, right? So I when I have children and daughters, I definitely plan on passing down my bags one day because I think if you really take care of them and you really value them, they're so beautiful, they're so stunning, they're so classic that of course I wanna pass that down. So I am bought into the story. I'm going to keep being a customer. And I think the Birkenbag effect is just absolutely fascinating. Like if you take one thing away from this, you can be like, wow, Sabrina's crazy pants. Sabrina's spent $25,000 on handbags. I have. I've spent well over $150,000 on handbags. Well over. That's wild. And what an interesting sales psychology conversation we've had today. I think that this is hopefully food for thought for you. I want to get another bag for my birthday. I think I really deserve a mini Kelly. So we'll see that's on the list. But what an interesting sales psychology conversation and something to chew on. I hope that you chew on this. I hope that you do some research into the rabbit hole. Go down through the TikTok, YouTube, Hermes purchasing rabbit hole Hermes game. I think you'll be fascinated. Half of you are going to hate it and be like, oh my God, this is so stupid. This is so mean. I can't believe you do this. Some of you are going to be like, wow, that sounds so fun. I want one on my vision board however you feel about this, what an interesting sales psychology conversation. I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that you think my bags are super cute and I will see you in the next episode.